Flooding the Sins of the Past, Lake Lanier, Georgia. If you spend any time in or around Atlanta, you probably heard ghostly tales of Lake Sydney Lanier. There are eerie accounts of fishermen seeing ghostly kayaks floating on the water, phantom lanterns, and most famously, a woman with no hands roaming the Jerry D. Jackson Bridge. And, every so often, someone, unfortunately, loses their life at the lake and leaves behind stories of strong swimmers being snatched under the water, unexplained boating accidents, or vehicles crashing into the lake without cause. Like Harpingers of Doom, locals will warn you at rest stops near to the lake to stay away from it, saying that it will consume you. Whether you believe in local legends and curses, there is some validation to their warnings. Oh, just 700 documented deaths since the lake's inception, which makes Lake Lanier's nickname as the deadliest, and quite frankly the scariest lake in America, quite accurate. Lake Lanier is a massive 60-square-mile reservoir that was established in 1956 with the completion of the Beerford Dam. And to this day, it helps control flooding along the Chattahoochee River, as well as provides water and power to residents in Atlanta and surrounding counties, which was the purpose of the U.S. Army's build. And it seems like a job well done when it's stated that way, but when you start to dig a bit deeper into the history you begin to uncover the true horrors this lake, literally and figuratively, covers. Lake Lanier's tragic history can be traced back long before it became a lake. Forsyth County, which sits on the western side, was once part of the Cherokee Nation, and in the 1830s, the U.S. government banished most of its members from what would be one of the southeasternmost origins of the Trail of Tears. A second banishment occurred 80 years later, and this time involving a different community, during an extremely tumultuous time in that area's history of segregation and racial divide. And up until 1912, there was an abundant black community living in Forsyth County who were mainly direct descendants of men and women freed after the American Civil War. Though the bustling community flourished and was full of commerce, there still was an underlining fear of racial divide and violence just waiting outside. On September 5, 1912, a 22-year-old white woman named Ellen Grice claimed two quote-unquote African-American men tried to harm her, but were unsuccessful because they were scared away by her mother. The Forsyth County Sheriff arrested five black men for the alleged assault, and this news caused quite a stir on both sides of the divide. A vocal black preacher named Grant Smith appealed to the sheriff to release the men. He claimed there wasn't much evidence to hold all five men accountable for assault, and also suggested that one of the men could have already been in a consensual relationship with Grice. This was a controversial matter to bring up at the time, and many white men were outraged of these allegations, and an angry mob beat and horsewhipped the preacher on the front steps of the courthouse, almost taking his life. 
A week later, an 18-year-old white woman, Mae Crow, was tragically abused and murdered close to the Browns Bridge on the banks of the Chattahoochee River in Oscarville, which was the black community. Now, there is much controversy about the following convictions and allegations that followed after Miss Crow was found dead, but I need to personally state that the murdering of an innocent person is extremely tragic. And regardless of what you believe about the history of this case, given the state of racial divide and tension, this murder inspired generations of certain white Americans to defend what they called, quote-unquote, racial purity of the country. The crimes were pinned on four young African Americans who lived nearby. And the day after the arrest, a white mob invaded one of their jail cells and shot him, dragged him through the streets, and hung him from a telephone just outside of the courthouse in Cumming. Ernest Knox and Oscar Daniel were, controversially, both found guilty of the rape of May Crow, and they were sentenced to death by hanging, even though it was illegal by state law at that time. 8,000 white community members congregated in Town Square of Cumming to watch two teenage boys publicly hanged for an alleged crime they never truly had the opportunity to fight. It was after this hanging that the terror would begin to spread, as a white group of terrorists known as the quote-unquote Night Riders would make it their mission to run every black person they came across out of town. Oscarville would end up being one of their main targets, and over the short period of just a few years, 98% of its black residents would end up either leaving their homes or be murdered for the refusal to move. Black property deeds found their way into the hands of white neighbors without any bill of sale or transfer, and more than 1,000 black community members would lose their livelihood, and in little time, the once-functioning Oscarville town would be a cemetery-filled ghost town. And over time, pieces of the land would be sold to the government, and by 1950, a plan to build Lake Lanier was in effect. Soon, the entire town of Oscarville would be underwater, intentionally flooded in conjunction with the Buford Dam. The resulting reservoir was named after Sidney Lanier, a poet, a musician, and also a Confederate private. In the end, a construction would destroy more than 50,000 acres of farmland, would displace more than 250 families, but most of the buildings remained and are still there below the surface of the water would also relocate 20 cemeteries, though that fully remains to be seen when the waters came in, attempting to erase the sins of its past. Lake Lanier was not designed to be used as a recreational lake, but more as a reservoir. You see, there are concrete buildings, cars, parts of bridges, and other debris in some of the deepest parts of it, but as the lake filled up, the Corps of Engineers assured lake goers that it would be fine. There's no need to worry, they're not going anywhere. In addition to the 700 deaths, the lake has seen more than 500 boating accidents, including some mysterious instances of boats going up in flames, and it is said to be the most dangerous underwater surface in the USA. It is said that the water depths are completely unpredictable, and one second you're shoulder deep, and one foot forward brings you a 30-foot drop. Today, while many swim and have fun boating across the murky water, others won't go near it and warn those coming to it. But as a popular vacation destination, the lake is extremely profitable because the government still owns it and is unlikely that they will ever recover 
all that is truly in its depths. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. I am so happy to be able to share my love of history and the paranormal with you all. I am grateful for all of our followers and subscribers. If you'd like to go the extra mile, please leave a review on your listening platform. It really does help us out. A big special thank you to Darren Curtis for providing the music to this podcast. If you have information on local lore near you or just want to drop me a line and say hi, email me at brian at findinglocallore.com. Stay safe, everyone scary out there.